Welcome to the Akashic Reading Podcast, presented by AkashicReading.com, the place where you can learn to access your soul's wisdom, or at least stop digging the hole any deeper. I'm your host, Terry Uktena, and today we'll be looking at soul-level contracts and how they work. First off, what is a contract? A contract is an agreement between two beings. It's a document, a bit of information. That's all. No fuss, no muss. However, people get very wound up about contracts because of what they do, don't do, should do, shouldn't do, aren't doing, are doing, and every other thing about them. So it's worth looking into some of the details. Most people think of contracts as prescriptive, meaning they'll tell us what to do and when to do it. This is how contracts work in physical life. We agree to do a thing. The other party agrees to do a thing. We agree when the thing should happen or be happening. We agree to what will occur if we do the thing, what will happen if we don't do the thing, and how we'll work through it if we disagree about any aspects of the thing. Sound familiar? It should. It's a generic description of every end-user agreement you agree to in order to use a website or software. It's the thing you don't read and don't care about, but have to click through because, you know, lawyers. You also hear about contracts when teachers or nurses go on strike because they don't have one. You hear about them concerning hiring practices. And when two different companies are suing each other for breach of. This stuff shows up every which way. And mostly what we hear about is when someone doesn't do the thing they're supposed to do, or the other party doesn't like what they're doing or how they're doing it. So there is arguing and abuse and lawyers and court and media. Who doesn't like a good drama, right? So prescriptive is all about agreeing to do a thing and then having to do it. Descriptive, on the other hand, is a way in which to note what is already happening like an agreement which gets written up after something has already been going on for a while. You know, the handshake agreement between two people, which needs to get written up so other people know it's a thing. Like when two families have had an agreement about the shared sports equipment, shared yard, shared boating situation, or whatever. But then the one cousin, who is a pain in the behind of everyone's front, starts being a pain. So it all has to be written down so it can be enforced. This is a descriptive contract, which is turned into a prescriptive one to force a painful cousin to stop being so painful. Things went on just fine before the pain started up. Yes, all along the way, things changed, rules morphed, conversations were had, equipment added, things adjusted, but it was all fine because everyone was flexible and the goal was to have fun. Nobody ran with scissors or poked anyone's eye out, and many good times were had. Surprises arose, which were a delight and a joy. Accidents, which became moments in shared history. All the stuff of life flowed. And then there was the pain. Or the person who created the pain. So... You get the idea. Prescriptive tells you what you have to do. Descriptive follows what you choose to do. Prescriptive is set in stone. 
Descriptive makes things obvious, but is open to change and doesn't tell anyone what to do at all. However, it will make a note of it if something changes. So you can look at prescriptive as being what you have to do and descriptive being what you intend to do. So here's where people get confused about Akashic contracts. Having experience of contracts here in physical life, they think contracts are the same in the Akashics. They think contracts between souls are just as rigid and enforced, but in actuality, not so much. Akashic contracts between beings are descriptive, not prescriptive. I can understand why people might want them to be like contracts here. I mean, it takes some of the responsibility for living off of our shoulders. If we're contracted to be with such and so person, do this or that, or go through something or other, it can be very comforting to think it had to be because there's a contract which says so. Problem solved. We're not to blame, nor do we need to expend energy worrying about it, trying to figure things out, or even struggling with it. It's a contract, and we just have to deal. Unfortunately, that's not the case. Why? Free will. It's the key to so much in life embodied and otherwise. We have free will and use it willy-nilly every moment of the day. Circumstances may dictate this or that aspect of things, but we always have choices on what we do in those circumstances. If you think this isn't the case, read anything written by a prisoner of war, a survivor of the Holocaust, or even stories about the three women held as sex slaves in Cleveland. We choose and choose and choose again all freaking day. It's exhausting. I might need a break just from thinking about it. In any case, in an environment such as the Akashics, where free will isn't just a concept, it's a law of physics, where there is structure but no government or authorities or need for society, in a place where everyone lives telepathically and empathically, meaning they feel what other people are being, hear what people are becoming as if it's their own becoming, what use is a prescriptive contract? To force someone to do something is a violence which would radiate out through all beings, causing everyone damage and suffering. Prescriptive contracts are in the end about forcing people to behave in a certain way. So contracts between souls are quite the opposite. They're descriptive. Another reason they're descriptive is no embodied life is scripted. We aren't actors filling roles and following along, proclaiming dialogue which is already written. We aren't puppets being manipulated. We're free-acting, mistake-riddled, miraculous generators of magic and mayhem. We partake as much in chaos as we do of harmony, and hence the universe grows and expands. Without chaos, we don't move forward. Without harmony, we don't want to all of which are hugely known things to souls. Hard to miss, actually. It's one of the many pluses of becoming embodied, the potential and the possibility of it all. Just think, the concept of a personal computer was in the Akashic Library long before they were invented here. But the events which led two guys in a garage to put the concept together in just the way they did 
which later led to not one, not three, not twenty different types of computers, but two, Apple and Windows, which led to smartphones and iPads and hybrid touchscreen laptops, computer watches and Google Glasses. None of that was scripted or mandated. How these things are coming to be is being fashioned through the choices and actions of beings who are free-willing. The beauty and the horror of the tapestry we are creating is something completely new, amazing, fascinating, and only vaguely foreseen in generalities as things unfold. So like planning for an extended stay in a foreign country, souls planning to embody in this rapidly moving and changing world prepare for what they intend to do, prepare for just-in-case events, bringing what they absolutely have to have in worst-case scenarios, and then try to plan for the things they can't even imagine. All of this planning includes creating contracts. There are the ones we know we're going to need, and which we try to lay out in some detail, like the one between us and each of our parents, biological and otherwise, the ones between us and our siblings, plus any extended family. There are those we know ahead of time, like best friends, soul group members, our proposed children, and even some significant other or life partner selections. Each of these contracts is descriptive, expressing what each side intends to do. I liken them to huge if-then statements. Like with children, if I have a child, if the parameters in which I'm having a child meet the needs of the soul who wishes to be a child, and if the soul is prepared and still willing to enter into an embodied life when I'm intending to create a child, then we will move forward as parent and child. If at any point along the way a portion of that really long if statement is not met, the contract will still exist, but not be activated, meaning it will remain potential and not be acted on. This if-then function shows up often in contracts between adult children and their parents. People who had difficult, dysfunctional, or damaging childhoods often want to know why in all the holy hells they would choose to put themselves through such insert negative term here. Often, in looking at what actually occurred and comparing it with the contract and the pre-planning notes for the lifetime, it's very clear what was intended is not what occurred. In other words, the adult child didn't sign up for what actually occurred at all. Free will isn't just about freedom, it's freedom to do whatever you want. This means avoiding the hard things, indulging in bad things, getting swallowed up in bad behavior as much as taking the opportunity to walk away from it. Soul contracts don't enforce, they report. Unfortunately, what they have to tell isn't always nice. But we do have the ability to create the ending of our choosing. For each embodied life, hundreds upon hundreds of contracts are written for every type of relationship, from partner to postal carrier. Most are never activated because they aren't needed or the parties never meet all the ifs to start them. That's an expectation, not a failing. You don't need to feel you failed if you don't use the Q-tips you pack for an overnight visit. You brought them, you didn't need them, you put them back when you get home, and they'll be used at some other time or not. Contracts which are activated remain descriptive. 
telling of the intentions each party has towards the other and their expected behaviors. This is another area where people become confused. Contracts here in embodied life are dead things. Once created, they can't be altered, only amended, meaning more contract is added like adding pages to a binder, the addition therefore changing the meaning of this or that facet. Such are the stuff of legal dreams and or nightmares. In contrast, soul contracts are living things. They are not set in stone, and once activated are constantly updating as each moment passes, continuing to describe events until both parties sign off the contract as complete. Hence, a contract can have what I call opt-out clauses, where one of the parties has placed markers saying, I can end this here if need be, or here, or here, or later on here. Or it can have a stated goal of achieving this, that, or the other thing, which means it runs until that's achieved or the person gives up and signs off as complete without reaching the goal. As soul contracts are not prescriptive, but descriptive, we are free to end them at any time. Souls are not victim to contracts they have agreed to or which are operative. With free will, we can end contracts which no longer serve us. Most people struggle not with this concept, but the nature of the contract they are in and what it means for them. What I have found over the decades is those who struggle hardest with contracts they feel abused by are the least willing to end them because their identity is deeply embedded in the struggle. Like an animal which has been caged its entire life being confronted with freedom for the first time, they shrink away, fearing what they don't know more than the abusive situation which they do. When they're ready to be free, they walk out and experience an entire new world, rediscovering their identity in the process. Not all contracts are about learning and lessons. This is what people often think of when musing about contracts, but what lesson is to be learned from our contract with the person behind the counter at the bank or the checkout clerk at the grocery store? Contracts have a myriad of purposes, almost always more than one, because life is multidimensional. Also, as life is not scripted, we aren't able to pre-contract with everyone we'll need to know or interact with in a lifetime. Therefore, we're able to make contracts on the fly. All that free willing can help us be somewhere we never expected to be, in a situation we never imagined, and give us opportunities which were not on the game plan before we arrived. This doesn't need to be a problem unless we let it. So in making connections, we're able to create contracts with others as things arise. And this builds more of the tapestry of life and opens us up to whole new aspects of ourselves and the world. This is why, when people ask me if they are meant to find a life partner they can be happy with, 99% of the time I'm handed not just one, but a stack of contracts by their guides or by the archivist on hand for the reading. Most people have so many options, it's hard for me to sort through them all. 12 to 50 is the average. Some of these will be contracts which were written before an embodied life. Others will be contracts which have formed as the person moved through life, becoming and changing along with the other person on the contract. You know, 
The wings of a butterfly flap in China, and we therefore miss the bus to work and end up in a coffee shop with this person rather than in a meeting with that one. It's life. It's unscripted. It's not as random as it would appear, but it's so complex it can seem that way. Chaos and harmony. Harmony out of chaos. As I look, contracts will be more or less applicable depending on what each of the people are doing and being, what they are taking in versus pushing away, and so on. In a reading, I'm therefore holding a stack of if-then statements, none better or worse than the other, just more probable, depending on the day and the choices being made. So, to reiterate, contracts in real life are prescriptive statements, demanding we do things in a certain way to gain the benefits, and stating the punishments for not doing said things. Soul contracts describe our intentions to do things, learn things, become things, and be things, with and for another being, should they intend to do so as well, and the both of you find you are capable and willing to do so at the same time. Soul contracts do not require we follow through, do not mandate how we achieve our intentions, allow us to change, add, subtract, and morph the contract continually, and contain no punishments. These contracts are completely voluntary, and we can end them at any time. And that's comforting in its own way. Personally, I would rather be creating and experiencing the magic of possibilities with all the responsibility this entails than suffering through a mandated and unalterable life. Wouldn't you? And that's all the time we have this week. Next time, we'll be sorting out the difference between there and here, or how to bring universal wisdom into the practical world, and how in reality, there's no divide between the two, except what we create. If you're interested in knowing more, check out my website, akashicreading.com. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please take a minute to rate it five stars on iTunes. Your comments are also appreciated. Thanks. Bye.